Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. They told him that Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, the people in front yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God, and all who saw it praised God too. Here in Luke 18, 35 to 45, which you can find in your Jesus Project book on pages 136 to 138, we come across an incredible image of God's kingdom, and it begins with a familiar scene. We find a man begging beside the road, and I'm sure we've seen this before. Could be beside a busy street, maybe an off-ramp or a street corner, where we see this man and he's relying on the charity of others. And I'm sure that we've seen this. And Luke tells us that this man is blind. He can't see what's going on, but by the commotion and all that's happening around him, he can tell something different is happening. Now a crowd, to someone who's relying on the charity of others, this could mean something pretty incredible. It might mean a really good day for someone who is asking for charity. It could mean that this could change a week. It could mean quite a significant income for him. The blind man, he asks the crowd, what, what's happening? What's all this commotion about? And they tell him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And to, the, to their dismay, to the dismay of the crowd, he starts to yell. He says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this might be a little bit lost to us, but what he's doing is this blind man is seeing Jesus for who he really is. Son of David, it's a, it's a title. It's a, a reference to Jesus being the Messiah, the Savior, this hope of the Jewish people. And beside this busy road, this blind man sees Jesus for who he really is. Now put yourself in his shoes. Day after day, he goes to the same spot. He's asking people for help. And he might have had some good days where people maybe would give him more. He might have had some, some days where he didn't get a whole lot. But going to that same spot day after day, he might have asked himself, is there something more than this? He might be asking God, is this really it? And then all of a sudden, he is passing by. And this blind man sees Jesus for who he really is. 
Now, when we look at the context of this verse, when we look at uh, what is surrounding it in the book of Luke, this is just placed after Jesus predicts his death to his disciples. He's telling the disciples about what has been prophesied about the Messiah is going to happen to him. And his disciples, they'd spent time with him. They'd lived with him. They've traveled with him. They've done all of this. They've lived life with Jesus. And Luke records that they don't get it. They don't understand what Jesus is trying to to tell them. They don't see it. Right after this, Luke tells us that this blind man can see Jesus for who he is. He had the spiritual sight to see Jesus and to see that he was the Messiah. And I find it interesting that oftentimes those who are marginalized, those who sit on the fringes, oftentimes they can see with such clarity who Jesus is. Now, what the crowd does next, it might seem, it might seem a bit hard to understand, but they tell this man to be quiet. They tell him to keep it down. Luke doesn't tell us why the crowd responds like this. And often in that culture, they would have known him. They would have known his name. It was Bartimaeus. They would have known his family. They might have just, maybe they were tired of the same old thing. We don't, we're not sure why they tell him to be quiet, but we know a little bit about the crowds that would follow Jesus. Oftentimes the crowds would be made up of religious rulers. Often they were looking to have a debate with Jesus. They were looking to prove their point, to ask these questions. There were other people that would have been looking for Jesus to do something for them. We don't know what the makeup of the crowd was, but we know that Luke records that they tell him to keep it down, to be quiet. But rather than listen to the crowd, he yells even louder. says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he sees Jesus for who he really is. And this gave him a persistence, a tenacity to his faith. He wouldn't allow the crowd to give him a no, but he was going to go after Jesus. He wanted Jesus to do more than just give him, meet a physical need. He was looking for the Messiah, for a savior. And I wonder if it's possible that this blind man finally saw what he had been longing for. He had relied on people to help get by, just to make meager ends meet, to keep going. But now God in flesh was passing by. And then more than just having his physical needs met, did he know that what was happening would change things forever for him? Now, what happens next is nothing short of incredible. And it actually reminds me of this training that I had to go through when I worked for a bank. We were trained to stop, look, and listen. And this is what we had to do when we were faced with a crisis. And in particular, when we were robbed. I had to use it a couple of times. So when I see Jesus do this, to me, it seems quite incredible. Jesus stops. He stops the crowd and he tells them to bring this man to him. Jesus looks at him. Jesus sees that persistent that tenacious faith, and he asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, don't rush by this question. The creator of the universe, God in flesh, asks this blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus doesn't presume. He doesn't rush by and say, oh, you're blind, okay, healed, and off to the next person. He gives him dignity and value. He sees that this man is made in God's image in his image, and he stops to have a conversation. 
And this dignity and value is probably not something that he would have had often. People might have given him something, but then just rushed past. They would have known him and maybe they would drop a few coins for him, but very few people would stop to have a conversation with him. And Jesus elevates this blind man. He gives him the dignity and value of being seen and heard. But not only does Jesus stop, not only does he look and sees his face, he listens and he listens to this man's reply. What do you want me to do for you? And this man, the moment he says, Lord, I want to see. Jesus isn't in a moment of crisis, but he's present and he enters into this man's crisis and he's listening to his response. And he says, I want to see. And this man who can see with his spiritual eyes, he's now asking Jesus to do for him to his physical eyes. And Jesus responds with a simple, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And this blind man takes Jesus at his word. And that's simply what faith is, to take Jesus at his word, to see Jesus for who he is and to trust him and believe him to be who he says he is. His life was instantly changed for the better. And Jesus elevates this man who others had passed by. I think there are a few things that we can learn from this encounter. The blind man, he had a persistent, a tenacious faith. Even though he was marginalized by his circumstances, he had an ability to see with such clarity who Jesus really is. This clarity then allowed him to be persistent. It allowed him not to look to the crowd to be his source. It allowed him to push through and to see Jesus as his source. And I think this is an incredible reminder for us. Oftentimes, you know, we can find ourselves looking for other people to be who Jesus really needs to be for us. He needs to be our source. Now I know that this is easier said than done, and it can be very easy to look for people, especially when they're physically here, we can look for others to be that source for us. Rather than bringing things to Jesus first, often we can look to a crowd or to other people. I know what it's like to have real needs, real problems, and a real situation that you're facing and I've done it, where I've looked for others to be my source. And I find maybe more than I would like to admit that I could have that tendency to look to other people. But this blind man, he reminds us that we need to see Jesus for who he is and to go to him as our source. And there's this one theologian, this one commentator, he says, it's amazing that this disabled, poverty-stricken man refused to give up. He trusted in Jesus, whom his eyes could not see. He gave God glory and praise, and this started a chain reaction among the crowd. Religious leaders and even the disciples had difficulty understanding. But this man, a blind beggar, joined a host of some, so many others who trusted Jesus to be who he says he is. And our friend, at the side of this busy road, he joined so many other people in just exercising a healing faith. And this is what the kingdom of God looks like. I think we also can learn from the crowd. And just like our friend at the side of the road, these were real people, real people with real problems, just like you and me. They had hopes, dreams, cares, concerns. They were looking to Jesus. 
There's a reason why they were following Jesus. But I wonder if we can learn from them by possibly the opportunity that they missed. Did they miss the opportunity to be an active part of God's kingdom? Were they more concerned with about this man being quiet because it might affect what they needed, what they had in mind to ask Jesus for? Didn't, did they not see that Jesus' kingdom often comes to the marginalized? Did they miss being a part of who they were created to be? And did they miss this opportunity to see Jesus for who he really is? Now, I'm not being harsh on the crowd. And if I'm really honest, sometimes I feel like I might identify more with the crowd than with this blind man. How many times have I been busy following Jesus and looking to him to do for me what I want him to do? what my cares and concerns are. How many times in the busyness of life have I missed the opportunity to stop, look, and listen to those around me? How many times have I missed the opportunity to be who I was created to be? I know that I don't have to step into every situation or circumstance, but in the busyness of life, have I missed the opportunity to be present and elevating others with dignity and value? finally, we can always learn from Jesus. Jesus, he gives us such a clear depiction of his kingdom. While the blind man was able to see Jesus for who he really is, Jesus saw his faith. He saw that persistent, tenacious faith. He didn't rush by, but he stopped and was present in his situation. Jesus didn't presume. He didn't say, oh, here's what you need and just quickly rush by but he elevated him with dignity and value. He took the time to ask him, what do you want me to do for you? And Jesus' response gives us again a glimpse into his kingdom, that kingdom that's here, but not yet. His kingdom where he'll wipe every tear from their eyes, where there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone forever. Jesus was giving us a glimpse into his kingdom a kingdom where he always elevates others with dignity and value. So how can we respond? I think that if you find yourself with a need or a concern, you might be asking that question, is this it? It could be a financial need, a physical need, an emotional need, relational, spiritual, but you might be asking, is this it? Whatever the case, I want to encourage you to have that persistent, tenacious faith to believe Jesus to be who he says he is and bring your care, your concern to him. Will you bring it to him? And for all of us, I think that we have an opportunity to be like Jesus. The crowd rushed past. They were in a hurry. They were in the busyness of their own lives. They had their own interests in mind. But Jesus took the time to stop, to look, and to listen. He took the time not to presume, not to rush past, but he elevated someone who others were, were rushing by. Can we take the time to elevate others, bringing dignity and value and being present? When we do this, we are giving a glimpse into God's kingdom. It's what Christians do. Well, thanks, Pastor Austin. So what will happen if you with your need in 2020, <laughs> call out to Jesus, what will happen? 
You know, so, so many of us, we can look to other good people and thank God for teachings like this that help us become some people in the crowd of humanity who will, like Jesus, look to elevate other people's needs. But, but watch this now. Don't try to find in anyone in the crowd what can only be found in Jesus. So if you're calling out to Jesus today with, with your need, what can you expect? You know what he'll do? He'll stop, he'll look, and he'll listen. Right now in 2020, right where you are in your need today. That's what he does. The Bible says he lives forever to make intercession. That's not praying about his own needs, praying about your needs before the Father. And, and he will provide for you exactly what you would ask for if you knew everything that he knew. He knows what's best for your future. He knows what you're going through now. So why don't you just join me in prayer, just partnering with God. He's saying, what do you want me to do for you? You Just fill in the blank there. Just say, Lord, I, I need your help. I need your healing for sickness. I need your your peace because of my educational or vocational plans. I, I need financial help. I need you to be my provider. I need your peace, God. I'm just stressed out and emotionally just all over the place. I just need you to stabilize my heart right now with your peace. Just fill in the blank with what you need. And isn't it great that whoever's talking to him, Jesus knows about the individual who is in need by his spirit. He had a physical body in the first century. Right now, he's able to be present with you by his spirit, and he hears you, and he's going to do what is best for you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, help every one of us in response to this teaching. Go out into this week, into this day, and be the kind of people who don't bypass or push aside as inconvenient people who have a need of you, but may we be sensitive to your spirit and, and, and be Jesus to them. May we elevate people, Jesus, in our world the way that you elevate us. I pray this in your name and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of Father God and that ongoing presence of his Holy Spirit be with you every day this week. Amen. Amen. Love you, church. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.